collective power. We are out to transform trauma system-wide by presenting a mirror of the system to itself. Each month, we focus on one system, and each episode, we focus on one person's experience and their angle. At the end of each month, we bring all those angles together to reveal a new big picture. Stay with us to discover our collective power and what's possible for our city, for our country, and our world. I am Dr. Rita Fierro, and I am your host. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Collective Power. And we are starting a new theme this month, which is political systems. And uh, last month, we covered uh, the child welfare system. And this month, we're focusing on political systems. Today, we may connect the dots between the two themes a little bit. It's my honor to have here with us Alicia Dorsey. Good morning, Alicia. Good morning. Good morning, Dr. Farrell. How are you? Good. It's good to have you on the show. Thank you. Alicia has a really rich experience as an organizer that's rooted in a profound lived experience. Thank you for being willing to spend some time here with us this morning. We know you have some things coming up this weekend, so I'm really excited to hear more talk about these political systems and and kind of go from there about what people can really do. I thought it was important to cover political systems this month because so much is happening in terms of the primaries and there's so much like agitation, right? A few people dropped out of the race, were kind of down to two on the Democratic side and lots of people have lots of feelings about it. So I don't know if we're going to end up around the presidential primaries at all, but there are definitely a lot of emotions and your work has been really important. So I'm excited to have people kind of channel some of that feeling in like, what can we do next? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, how do you look at life? What's important to you about life? I'm a family community advocate. And what's important to me first is family and then my community. And I put it in that order because that's what I live for, my family and the community in which we live in. I'm currently advocating to end gerrymandering in Pennsylvania and prison gerrymandering. And I feel like it's important to empower people with information. So some of my focus in life is empowering our communities so that they understand that they do have a voice. Too many of them feel disenfranchised. I'm an Uber driver, so I talk to people all the time. And so many people are pissed off with politics right now. I'm glad you mentioned the, the primaries, the Democratic primaries. I just did a petition for a female candidate. I'm not going to mention the names. They both dropping out. But that was the toughest canvas I ever had to do. Wow. Why? For one, our seniors are fed up, and they said they're not voting anymore. They're tired of politics, so they didn't want to sign the petitions. And they're usually my easiest signers. Like, I could talk to our seniors, and they sign really fast. And then so many women were like, we ain't ready to be a president. Ain't no woman going to be president. And that was heartbreaking to hear that. Just getting that feel on that canvas was really a little bit more of an eye-opener on how disenfranchised people are in our political system right now. I'm advocating to educate people about their voice and to empower them and to see politics in a different way because 
I'm a human rights advocate. I'm not a politician. I'm a human rights mm-hmm. advocate, and it's a difference. But our human rights is often turned into politics. It's often capitalized and politicized. There's a lot of colonialism going on in our political system right now. So I love that you say that. And I think the term colonialism, and tell people a little bit more why you chose that word. Because in the U.S., we forget we're a colony. And that's the issue, the colonies. The, <laughs> the colonies of our society is still an issue. In Philadelphia, that's a deeply rooted mentality is the colonies. Every 4th of July is celebrated, the colonies and how they came into this country. It's past time that we had this conversation. Like, that's not a good thing. We celebrate a lot of traumatized stuff in our country, and we don't look at the trauma that imposes on people in our country. We don't look at anything. They look at the benefits that they've uh, been able to reap for themselves as colonies. Colonies is not just white colonies. There's Mm -hmm. black colonies, too. I mean, people have been colonialized. This is United States of America. It is colonialism and it's reinventing itself if you look at all the gentrification going on in our communities right now that's colonialism reinventing itself all over again if you look at the politics the recent primaries or the recent elections with these city council people in philadelphia that's colonialism reinventing itself all over again i mean it's happening and it's in our politics i'm looking forward to talking about that I have a friend this weekend, we were in a meet, it was Katie Boone, she was on our show a few weeks ago, and she defined the colonizer mentality as see, want, take, like commodification of human beings and of our resources. White folk walk around like, if I see it, I want it, I can take it. But that mentality has transformed to everybody in America, and that's the issue in our country right now. Everybody feels that way. It's the all about me mentality, it's that selfish mentality of it's my way or no way that's really haunting our country right now, especially in Philadelphia politics. I'm writing a book about this. Like The book is about the 20 years plus that I've been advocating and everything I've learned in advocacy with the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. To me, they look the same. They're not no different. At least with the Republican Party, we can see how ugly they are and how they really feel about our country. Democratic Party, they hide it. Just to bring this up, and Beyonce was doing the fundraiser for Hillary. Hillary, Mike was on, Beyonce, Mike was on. Hillary was talking about Beyonce really bad. Beyonce walked off the stage, but she got to hear it for that time. Like, they're just as bad as the Republicans. So, myself, I'm pushing, like, a people's revolution. Like, I'm talking to people on the ground, and they're tired of politics as usual, and we really want to see a change because these politicians don't work for us. They work for corporations. They don't work for the people. I'm going to take a step back for a second. So before we look at like systems, so there's a truth piece to this, right? So you were saying like at least Republicans are straight up, their assumptions, their judgments, Uh right? uh And part of what's challenging on the Democratic side is that you're not getting the truth straight up. Right. Right. So you're getting a facade, equality, equity, like all the great words, all the buzzwords. Uh And then there is a whole other thing happening beside. And you're saying the example of Hillary, but I mean, there there are millions of examples of that. And we can see it in the policies, like Democrats supporting mass incarceration and and wars and, and so on and so forth. We were talking about foster care last week. Like, we could talk about welfare reform or ASFA. Like, if you look at how Democrats have positioned themselves, there's constantly this facade. 
So when it comes to welfare reform and DHS, and I, I know we're not going to talk too much about that, but that's something I'm very passionate about because my family was attacked by the system, and it was all wrong. Until they correct that system, I'm going to continue to fight. Yeah, they closed Glen Mills where my son went. And when my son went, his back was straight. When he came out, his back was crooked. So everything that I say has been proven because they shut Glen Mills down. And is that a group home? Or it was a group home. It was a group. But I'm going to continue to fight that system until they get it right. And it's getting worse and worse. But I say that to say that um, when it comes to DHS, I'm just kind of disappointed with the advocacy when it comes to our elected officials, especially on the Democratic side, because they're playing with it like it's a toy, like they're scared to hold DHS accountable because a city agency can't hold another city agency accountable. Are you crazy? Mm-hmm. Are, are you out of your mind? What do you mean you can't hold them accountable? You give them a budget and they're supposed to be giving family support, right? Quality family support, not tearing families apart. But on the other hand, the Republicans are really doing something with this Family First Act when it comes to foster care and what's going on in the DHS system. And people don't know about that. To me, there's not a lot of difference when you talk about Democrats and Republicans Mm -hmm. on the party side. You have to look at what's really going on behind the scenes. And so many people are tied to the Democratic Party. When I say so many people, when I say these seniors... Oh, it almost broke my heart on his last canvas when they was like, I'm not voting no more. I'm tired of these politicians. I'm not voting no more. They don't do anything for us. They said they still got to pay mortgage, but they don't get enough. They're outliving their resources right now is what's going on with our senior community. There's not enough resources. I was just in Harrisburg the other day, and that was the testimony at the appropriations hearing, that our seniors are outliving the resources. That's what Secretary Teresa Miller said. It's a big issue. Nobody's taking care of our seniors. Yeah, I want to take a step back for a second. Tell me a little bit more. So you were weaving. We had a lot of conversations around DHS last month, but there's an aspect that you really know a ton about, about, which is like this piece around advocating for state accountability. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? And and then I'm going to ask you some things about like what people in other states could do for similar, like to activate that way as well. But tell us a little bit more about like how you've been involved because you're saying you're in Harrisburg and you've been really connecting the dots on like the political system and the local DHS system. Love to hear more about that. So in Harrisburg, and we talked to the committees, children and youth committees and people on the budget appropriation committees to inform them about what's going on in Philadelphia DHS. We feel that though it's important to reach out to the lawmakers because they do make the laws and we need to hold them accountable to their state agencies. DHS Philadelphia is funded through the state, so it's the state that's supposed to be holding them accountable. They're currently on probation, and there's no legislative oversight. Like Philadelphia, DHS Philadelphia is on probation, probation right now. And it has been, you were It's about four years, yeah. yeah. But there's no legislative oversight. Like, we're going to see these legislators, and they can't even tell us what's going on with DHS. They can't even give us a public line to find out the accountability and transparency of what's going on in DHS. So I think it's important that we meet with these legislators and hold them accountable and demand a hearing. That's what we're looking for, a hearing on what's going on in Philadelphia DHS. We had several in Philadelphia. So there's a big problem with DHS in Philadelphia. And just a reminder, Philly takes children at like three times the rate of New York and the highest rate in the country. And DHS admitted that, I believe it's 86% of them is families of color. And that's Mm -hmm. a problem. And they have no solution to that problem. 
So that's a problem for us, too. And we plan to reach out to either the NAACP or the Urban League because we've been going to these elected officials and we feel like they're really not listening to us. So we took that route to talk to y'all and y'all not listening to us. Now we look into a press a lawsuit because we have a lot of violations that the state should be adhering to on DHS and they're not. Yeah, get it. You're totally having the experience that the lawmakers aren't listening. But it's even a step forward that you have been getting in touch with lawmakers and you've been doing advocacy work in that direction, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear for folks in other states that are trying to create systems of accountability in similar ways to you're doing, what do you recommend? Response when we use Twitter and Facebook, but you get people together who have the same concerns and you start visiting these lawmakers and you keep visiting. You don't just go one time. You keep going back and keep going back till they understand that you're not going away until they, they hear your concerns and eventually they'll hear your concerns because there's a lot going on with this heroin crisis and the grandmothers, how they're treating grandmothers right now, trying to keep their children. My friend, she's an aunt. She has three of her, her nephews, and they want the niece, but they won't give her back the niece. It's crazy. And they're using heroin. They're using marijuana. They're using any kind of controlled substance against you because of moralities. Mm-hmm. See, that's an issue with politics, this morality piece that they want to circle. Everything is your moral obligation. If you're not morally fit, then you don't fit their bold, their perspective. So they want to throw you away and capitalize off of all kinds of ways. Like the one thing I really despise is that in my community, we always got to go through the hard times. Like nobody's there to support us, but mental health, any type of resources in our communities, good quality schools, libraries, hospitals. We live in food deserts. All of this is colonialism. All of this is ways to hold people down and capitalize off of their misery. We are totally traumatized, and it's a piece of colonialism that's going on in our society. But we always get the bad end of the stick. And then after we get the bad end of the sticks, they want to pretend that they're helping us. I love that one of the things that's really standing out about what you're saying is that we hold, in particular, poor families accountable for how they parent. But once children are taken, we don't hold systems accountable. And the system legally becomes the parent at that point. You now become the parent. But we have zero systems of accountability around that. And this kind of comes back to what you were saying before about the state and oversight. And that the colonialism mentality that you were saying is not only because, like, communities of color are systematically kind of exploited and get less resources and all everything that you're saying you have the lived experience but there's also this the morality piece you were saying is also a colonialism the state gets to say what morality is but they don't live by it oh my please don't take me there that's a whole nother story and i do get emotional because it's very personal because it's happening every day to all of us and colonialism hurts everybody White people and black people are stripped of who they are when you take on that colonial mentality, black and white. So I I advocated against black and white. I said, don't call me white because people call me white sometimes because they think I'm white. I say, don't call me black. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not black. I'm neither one of those mentalities. I'm an Afro-Native American and I have a voice in this country and I have a right to be me for who I want to be. And that's the empowerment like to pass on to other people. So when it comes to politics and advocating for yourself. I let people know you absolutely have a voice. Don't let people try to make you out to be what they want you to be. 
but it's not easy in our society because everybody is right now. It's an instant society. Everybody wants instant gratification. I've been fighting 20 plus years and I'm not going away. But they did to my family when they sent my son to Glen Mills. Oh, I'm not going to forget that because it took a piece of me away. I was in the bed like I couldn't move for like 30 days. It was horrible. It was a horrible experience. I'm not going away until they correct what's going on in Philadelphia DHS. Even if I have to become mayor of Philadelphia and correct it myself. Because that's how tired I am of these politicians. I'm tired of going to city council and talking to these people. The last time I was there, I screamed, vote her out, vote her out, vote her out. Because I'm tired of the politics in Philadelphia. So if that means we have to become the legislators that does the work for the people, then that's going to be my goal. Thank you for your courage and your commitment. Mm-hmm. And when you run for mayor, I'll vote for you. you it's know. the people's movement. When I talk to people on the ground that are disenfranchised, they don't want to deal with Republican or Democrat Party. So I'm saying, well, you could be an independent and you yeah. have a voice as an independent. And that shows both of those parties that, hey, we're tired of this. We're not doing this no more. That, I'm happy you brought that up because one of the pe- things we forget is that because on in the national stage, independent parties don't play a lot of power, like it's really hard to win an election as an independent party. We mm-hmm. all know those politics. But we forget that in the local politics, independent parties have a lot more power mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you're talking about smaller numbers. And so local activism can make a huge difference. Yes. Like look at the election of Kendra Brooks. Please Gorgeous. don't talk about that to me because Kendra Brooks is not an independent. That's colonialism. To me, that's a perfect example of colonialism and politics. Kendra Brooks is a Democrat. She was controlled by Helen Gilm's whole campaign, all Democrat. She is not separated from the Democratic or Republican Party. So if we want to talk colonialism and politics, Kendra Brooks is a perfect example. Her campaign, to me, is a perfect example of the Democratic Party manipulating the independent voice to say that they're independent to sit on a seat to defeat of the Republicans. And that's her goal. She said that was her whole goal was to defeat the Republicans. So she's still doing Democratic-Republican politics. So what does independent look like? Independent, to me, as an independent, I'm not going to define what everybody else does, but I am part of the independent voters movement. Um, I do plan to have a couple forums with them here in Philadelphia so more people can understand what independence is. But as an independent, we separate ourselves from the major parties and vote for character. We vote for people whom we can relate to and we feel would do the best job for us. So if that's a Republican, we vote for the Republican. If it's a Democrat, we vote for the Democrat. If it's an independent Green Party person, we vote for the Green Party person. We're not tied to any party politic. We Mm -hmm. are able to pick and choose who we like for that job. So you're issue-driven instead of party-driven. Correct. I got it. So you mentioned that some people are really feeling disenfranchised. What other approaches or attitudes are like, what, what are the misperceptions you think people have about politics? Well, when it comes to gerrymandering, that's a big issue right now. In South Philly, Democrats are really pissed. So pause for a second. Could you define gen- gerrymandering for folks who aren't, haven't been in the conversation? Um, gerrymandering is when our elected officials manipulate political districts in their favor so that no matter what way you vote, it's always going to turn out to be in their favor. So they redesigned the borders of the districts, like they changed the boundaries between neighborhoods so that in the end, the total number will go in their favor. 
So what happened in South Philly, it was a Democratic district that Bob Brady, (laughs) the Democrat head, sold to the Republican Party. So what we mean by sold means he gave that district, it became a a Republican district because he gave it to the Republican lines. So South Philly now is part of like suburbans districts, the Republican suburban districts. So no matter what South Philly votes, the suburban districts will outvote them because they're all Republicans. So it doesn't matter because that district is all one district. So by changing the boundaries of South Philly and having like this part of South Philly and having it joined with the suburbs, the Republican suburbs will outnumber the South Philly Democratic vote. But it happens the Democratic Party, too. Dwight Evans, I mean, he's my congressman. And I'm not going to talk bad about these politicians because they do what they do. I mean, politics in Philadelphia has always been politics in Philadelphia. But it happens for Democrats, too, because he has the suburbs in Lower Marion, and they're pissed because they don't agree with his politics. And I know this because I advocate with Fair Districts PA, and we're at the polls on election days, and we're talking to the voters about gerrymandering, and we're hearing what they're saying. I mean, a lot of people are upset with gerrymandering. So we're advocating for a People's Commission, a Citizens Commission, and we're looking to amend the Constitution so that elected officials no longer draw the lines. They're no longer manipulating our votes and our voices. We, the people, draw the lines, and now there's trust in the vote because right now nobody trusts politics. So how can people become involved in the Citizens Commission? Um, the Citizens Commission, where we have to have people call their legislators right now to get the bills passed. But if they go to Fair Districts PA's website, you will see we have a House bill. I believe it's 22 and 32 and a Senate bill. Yeah, because we're asking people to send postcards to their legislators to let them know that they want their votes to count. I and mean, we don't trust them to draw the lines. We, the people, want to draw the lines. So that's a good way for people to get involved. Why did you get involved in this side of the fight? Advocating in our community is so many issues going on. It's like you can't really just focus on one thing. It's so much going on. But when it comes to the vote, too many people fought for our vote. The vote is like really so important. If we're going to have a democracy, if this country is really going to be real, take the corruption out of politics and make the vote count because that's what we're all about in this country. There's no other way. Like, I'm not advocating to, like, a whole new government, a whole new system. That's not going to work. We're deeply ingrained in the government that we have. The problem is the corruption, is all the corporate people influencing the politics and all the gentrification that's going on. And us being so disenfranchised that we don't hold these politicians accountable. So it's just about sparking people to understand that you have a voice. People feel hopeless, like they don't have a voice, but you really do have a voice. And I just try to put that empowerment in people, let them know, you can do this for yourself, you can do that. When I advocate with people, I pretty much just sit back. I give them the tools and help them get through whatever situation that we're advocating for. Because I feel as though it's important that everybody has a voice and use their voice so people can know. Oh, yeah, I did that. Oh, yeah, I made that happen. Oh, yeah, I can do this. That's power. And I can see that you have this gorgeous T-shirt with all these, like, pins on. And I can see there's one about the sentence. Why don't we talk about that for a little bit? Awesome, yes. Um, So this is very important. If you look at the communities that's not being gentrified, those are the communities that do the census. 
in my communities, we don't do the census because there's all these crazy stigmas around the, the census that if you fill the census out, somebody's going to come take you because grandma might have everybody living in her house, so she don't want to tell that everybody's living in her house. And there's all kinds of things. You're saying people tend to not fill out the survey because they're afraid that there's something that's going to come by. I just wanted to clarify that like the census is still being done everywhere. It's just people don't fill out the survey. So I became a census champion with uh, Philly Count. And as a census champion, we go out and we find ways to educate people about the census because that's $21,000 per person we lose if you don't fill out the census. And when I have that conversation with people, especially in my Uber, because that's where I'm mainly talking to people, I let people know. And then they'd be like, oh, that's what it is? Oh, it's 21000 Because when I mention it to them, they, they'd be like, what is the census? Like, I've never done the census before. And then I tell them, um, it's federal allocations for our schools, our hospitals, our roads. I was like, you see why our community looks the way it does right now? I said, because we're not getting our federal resources. That's $21,000 per person. And then they'd be like, oh, okay, I'll do it. And when it comes, I'll make sure I fill it out. Or if one of my riders was like, oh, that person came to my door like three times. They was getting on my nerves. But yeah, I finally let them in. But then when I let them in, they had all this. At least she let them in after the third time. But now she understands more why it's important to just fill it out. You could do it online. You could do it in the mail. But the census is important because it also creates legislative districting. So that's where the gerrymandering comes in with the census. And this is how these elected officials are manipulating our votes again, because they're building these prison communities like upstate Pennsylvania. And then they're using the count from the census to create these legislative districts for themselves. But they never talk to our brothers and sisters behind bars. They use our brothers and sisters for those census allocations for the roads, the hospitals, the schools, the libraries. But our brothers and sisters don't use those allocations. So there's a lot of stuff going on when it comes to prison gerrymandering. It's all about money and voting power. So in Pennsylvania, I'm really trying to scream that everybody gets counted. Everybody, especially like in rural Pennsylvania. Because our number 45 got upset because his citizens question wasn't on the questionnaire. Pulled the funding for outreach for those areas. So Pennsylvania will lose a seat in the Congress if we're not all counted. And we're going to lose billions of dollars, $21,000 per person. Like everybody, the babies to grandmom has to be counted. And it's really important to build our resource bank. We could stop gentrification if we filled out the census. I want to pause a second just to highlight what you said, because I, I think oftentimes people don't think at levels. And what I love that you're doing is you're connecting the dots between the different levels. So you got common folk on the ground and a community that has a certain number of people. The census is an opportunity to count the number of people. And then legislators look at the census, unfortunately, some for gerrymandering and districting and manipulating stuff, but they're also looking at that census to look at the distribution. But the census is also connected to how many representatives we have, both at the state, at the state level. And so then what happens is that the number of representatives we have also plays a role in how much money the state gets because they become the ones with the networks and the advocacy mm -hmm. and, and so on and so forth. There's like a funnel here that comes not just with voting. Voting is one funnel, like how you vote determines your state representatives, your federal representatives, mm -hmm. so on and so forth, which is money allocation. But there's also the census has that same funnel. Mm -hmm. So on the other direction, the federal government's looking at the state 
population for allocation of resources. The state population is looking at the county distribution for resources. Right. The counties are looking at the city distribution. The city's looking at the neighborhood distribution. Mm-hmm. So basically, there's this funnel. Our voice, basically, like our votes and the census, like the basic thing about how many people exist in a neighborhood, mm-hmm. are basically the two tools we have mm-hmm. for allocation of resources. Mm-hmm. Like that's how the money flows. It flows with those two mechanisms. Like that's how the people know we exist. Thank you for bringing it up, too. I'm glad I put my buttons on. It's really important that people yeah. fill that out. I mean, we lose so much, not just money, but representation. And that representation, that could be a whole other district for us. I'm in North Philadelphia or South Philadelphia. Those highly gentrified communities could get some real representation. I'm just out trying to help people understand our resources and our power. There's one thing I want to add to that, that the data in the census is anonymous and it's disconnected from everything else. Correct. So nobody knows your information for 70 years. And the coolest part about it is, well, 70 years. But in 70 years, your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren can look at the census and say, oh, this is where my family lived and this is what my family did. That's the best part about it is becoming part of the history of our country. And it's still for 70 years. Nobody. No DACA, no federal FBI, CIA, nobody can touch these records. Nobody. The census is that bad. Nobody's touching the census. And that's particularly for the reasons you just said. Like, there's a commitment on the part of the people who created the census, like, that that information be a vault so that we can get, like, as real an estimate as possible Mm -hmm. of like our real population. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so like nobody else can access that. I know that's really hard to believe like, cause we're in the era of like all these breaches. Yeah. But um, it's very clear for the people who created the census that if that data were accessed by anyone, it would lose its credibility. And so there's a real commitment to it staying a vault because they're not interested in any of your personal information. They're looking at, okay, what's the income of this neighborhood? What's the number of people in this neighborhood? Like, how many families are in this neighborhood? How big the family? It's really about looking at those groups. Yeah. And that's all the census does anyway. They do surveys all year long. That's all they do is collect surveys and data on the country and how our country is functioning. So it's in their best interest to make sure everybody's information is sealed for at least 70 years and not held against them. We talked about colonization, colonialism, and we talked about a lot of our political systems and how they work. Looking at that bigger picture, what do you think people can do to decolonize politics or to like decolonize our society and our mechanisms? Like, do we have a power over that? Because oftentimes when people think about like white supremacy and racism and colonialism, there's a sense of defeat that shows up. Like, what do you think people can do? I don't think people even talk about it. So, I mean, we first have to have that conversation of we're in that mentality and that mind state of colonialism. So I've been doing this documentary, video document, and exploring our communities because I wanted to understand that mentality of what's going on in our society. So people have to first understand that we're in a state of colonialism. Like, that's what we are. We have been colonialized. Now, how do we undo it? We have to want to undo it. And too many people are comfortable in this position right now because it works for them. And the people that's not comfortable with it, those are the ones that I talk to to try to empower them to understand that you still have a place in this society. Don't look at yourself as a throwaway. And it's mostly people who are seen different because we're all different. But 
some of us are just a little more challenged and don't have the support. It's just about having supports. So just talking to people and helping them understand support services and not being ashamed of who you are because they said you don't look right just because your hair isn't straight and you don't do this. Like they just created a law that is illegal now to discriminate against people with natural hair. Like it should have never been legal to discriminate against people with natural hair, but that was a way of conforming people to be with colonialism wants them to be so we first have to have this conversation about what it is to be colonialized and then understanding that we have the power if we come together collectively because it's a collective thing it's not no one person going to solve this nobody's coming down to solve this we have to come together and say enough is enough and there's enough people out there saying enough is enough and start building collectively and supporting one another stop all prison building, um, which they are closing the prisons. But now let's have a conversation on alternative methods, restorative justice. Let's stop. Like the conversation around marijuana has changed. The attitude around marijuana has changed now. It's now medical marijuana, starting to be recreational marijuana in some places. Our attitudes are starting to see like everything ain't as bad as people said it was. That was a certain group mentality. The morality thing you were talking about before. And even if we look back at the Reconstruction era, we see that they were so upset that slavery was over. Like, that was a bitter time in America's history. We need to talk about all of that. If we want to heal as a country and, like, get past all the corruption, we need to have these conversations and be bold enough to have these conversations. And I just want to say one more thing, and I'm probably being too bold. The corruption runs deep in politics in Philadelphia. 190, we keep having all these special elections in the 190 for state reps because there's all this corruption going on. Why is all these monkeys on these politicians' back? Why is it that the only way that these politicians was able to be successful and get in? I feel like the whole political system is rigged based off of what they can get out of a person to do for them. That's corporate America dictating politics and not us, the people, because we feel so disfranchised. If we stand up and understand collectively, we don't have to be a part of this party or this party, but collectively we have a voice and say enough is enough and vote the right people win. Life would change, but we got to start with the conversations of who we are and don't think it's going to happen overnight because I've been fighting for a minute. I've been fighting a lot of things for a minute and things are starting to happen now. But it's because I've been chipping away. Tell us a little bit about what you see starting to happen, because I think it's really hard for some of us to see the whole system as rigged and not lose hope at the same time. So what are the the kind of things that you see shifting? So there's a lot of attitudes shifting, especially towards DHS. And I'm going to give it to the Republican Party because they are the ones who are really doing the work when it comes to stopping the family separation, especially with all that horror that went on with immigrants and the border and what was going on in those camps, the Republicans stepped up and stopped that. Nobody has ever held DHS accountable in whatever history we have from the beginning because there's this issue of holding city agencies accountable or state agencies accountable. Now, are you saying Republicans at the state level or the federal level? The federal level. Really? Yes. You think they stopped it? I'm not sure about that. Yes. The Family First Act that's getting ready to come out. Have you heard of that? I have. We need to look it over. Like me and a group of families that we're advocating with, we really need to look it over. But we went to D.C. and attended some of these rallies that they were having and got to meet some of these people. And we didn't agree on anything else because they are racist. They are very racist people and they let you know they're racist. But yeah. if we didn't agree on anything else, we agreed on that it has to stop what's going on in um, DHS. 
and we need open courts. We don't need these closed courts because these closed courts is where all the horror goes in because these judges feel like they're immune and they can do whatever they want to people and not be held accountable. But that's because the public doesn't know what these judges are doing. Like they're throwing people in jail just because they're there to fight for their children. You want to throw them in jail? Like, no, it's just not going to happen. We have to stand up and just stop sitting on the sidelines and letting these people do whatever they want. Because that's a lot of money going unaccounted for that's supposed to be helping us in our communities. Millions of dollars that we're losing because we're not standing up. And it's really because we don't know because they don't want us to know. Just like Republican Democrats, it's divide and conquer the people, even in the political reins. If we could just get away from two-party systems, it would be great. It would no longer be the divide and conquer. It would be people talking and negotiating and debating and understanding. My biggest peeve with the Republicans right now is their attacks on SNAP. Like, you want to cut people food stamps because you feel like people are just lazy and all they want to do is sit around and get food stamps. And that's not the mentality. No, people are traumatized because of all the colonialism that's been going on in our community and need support to get from the paycheck. It's not the jobs. It's not out there. I was at a conversation with uh, actually a Democratic councilman. I I won't say who it was, but I was really kind of shocked because they were saying we need to tax the 48 percent of the people in Philly who don't pay taxes, which are basically people who are either on TANF, are in school or medical disability. So I was like, you want to tax people who are not working because they can't? You're basically taxing the people not either who are not working because they can't work or not working. So I'm like, you want to tax people who are not working? That's like, tell us a little bit about your book. Been writing a book about advocacy because a lot of people reach out to me to help them, but I can't always help everybody. Like I'm one person. So I figured if I had a book explaining how I got involved and then how they can advocate for themselves, then they would be able to be empowered to do the fight. And I just think it's important that we all do the fight. It's not one person to do the fight. I love that we had Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and the Gandhis. We had those people, but I think it's past time that we stop looking for one person and we all understand that collectively we make a difference. And the one person's more vulnerable. That's what we learned. And that's why like, I really appreciate the new organizers, like the new generations are really experimenting with forms of leadership. Mm. Occupy didn't have one leader. Standing Rock didn't have one leader. And it's because one leader makes you more vulnerable. But if we're really leveraging our collective power, our collective organizing, our way of being together, if something happens to me, the movement doesn't stop, keeps going, which is what is needed. Absolutely. And that's what people fall off. So I've been doing this for 20 plus years. And people like, why do you do that? Like, I get that all the time. Why do you do what you do so you can live the way you live in? I wish you could join me, but if it's not for you, it's not for you. You know what I'm saying? I don't put advocacy on everybody because you got to have tough skin for this. It's, it's very frustrating. I have lots of nights when I'm, like, sitting, like, in a house like this, rubbing my head, like, <laughs> my forehead and everything. You know what I'm saying? Holding myself together I'm because it's very stressful. But it's a process. It's not for everybody, but everybody can advocate for themselves. You can find a way to advocate for yourself. And it might not be the rah-rah. It might be you just making a poster. It might be you cleaning up in your community. It might be you donating to the cause. We all have a role. Just understand that what your role is. And don't try to be what somebody else is. And don't be mad because you're not what that person is. Just accept that this is where you are and this is what you can do. Yeah. And I just want to add something that you said before the show started. That sometimes it's really easy for 
some people to feel hopeless because like everything's so in our face right now. Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of people for whom Trump's election was a shock. The amount of racism we've been experiencing was a mm -hmm. shock. And so it's really easy to get hopeless in the face of that. But for those of us who have been organizing and have been saying, this is a colonialist system. This is a right. racist system where racism is integrated. And like yeah. Obama had so many threats on his life when he became the president. So the for racism, sure. we, we didn't hear about it as much, but it was still there. With Trump, we see the racism. We see it in our face. We see how corrupt he is. His whole cabin is in jail. Well, not the cabin in jail, but he didn't replace the cabin 13 times probably. That's and most right. of his staff is in jail. Like, come on, and he's still the president of the United States? If that was Obama, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? That would have been the first president in jail if it was Obama. So, I mean, we see what's going on. Now let's talk about it. Don't get mad, because it's, why, why be mad? I mean, some people are going to get mad. Okay, if you want to go through those emotions, go through the emotions, because it's your right. But I feel like we should talk about it and just move to that healing position where we're no longer trapped in the lies and the deceptions because we see who what where and how it is in america right yeah now. so going from the truth to the healing and so there's a part of that truth that like being able to see it yes. is actually part of that healing yes but i had a friend of mine who was not from the u.s clearly who said to me well finally the united states is in integrity with itself because now not only do your policies bully the rest of the world you have a bully president yeah like now you get to really see who you are in the world. Mm -hmm. For us, this is not new. You just removed the, the mm -hmm. cute face mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on the face of bullying policies. Yes. Yes. A lot of people around the world see us like that. When I had Google+, Plus, I used to talk to people all over the world. I hate that they took Google+, Plus from us, because they would talk to me about our country and how they seen our country. I was like, oh, no, it's not like that. Oh, no, this is how it really... No, they yeah. treat us like this. No, that. Yeah. And then they was like, for real? Like, it's... Like, people see as, like, what it really is now. And it's because we talk about it and social media helps also. But they also have their perception because they have their purpose. Like, a lot of other countries live right. on a whole nother purpose, whereas America's purpose is capitalism. There's no real purpose. Yeah. It's slave mentality. It's throwaway mentality. And people are tired of living like that. Like That's right. It gets us nowhere. These systems have failed. And they're trying to redo themselves, but we can stop that. We can say enough is enough. And the way systems change oftentimes is the people that say enough is enough creating something new. Because this system is they are totally declining and dying. Oh, like yeah. all of our systems are in crisis right mm -hmm. now. But the question is, how are we going to unite to create something different that is an alternative? Because if we don't create something that's an alternative, like the old system is just going to try to reinvent itself. It's yeah. going to. Thank you for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Do you want to tell us, like, how do we stay in touch with you? How do we find out about, like, how do we find out when your book is out? I'm not even near finished the book yet. I've been working on it for about 10 years now. If people want to get in touch with us, they can reach out to epgmpa at gmail.com. That's mprisongerrymanderingpa at gmail.com just the initials on each word they could become part of our conversation about the resources getting integrity into our votes again because that's what we want to build like trust in our votes trust in our elected officials way too many of our seniors is hurting like way too many of our seniors is hurting and nobody's talking about that right now um, and that should be a major conversation in all these 
candidates forums, like, what are you going to do for our seniors? Because that's a major issue. How do people stay in touch with your work? Because you mentioned a few different campaigns, like, they can reach out on that same email, or they could call me, 267-428-1303. Text is always best. We, I love for people to get involved, but I just don't want people to think that I'm going to, like, take on, like, your case or, like, your issue. I'm going to help you advocate for it. I'm going to give you that direction. If you want to, like, help me, like, become part of this collective, I think this is a great collective, what you're doing, and, like, just building people to understand what trauma looks like and how we've been traumatized. I just want to go back to that food stamp piece, the Republicans, because... They feel like we're lazy and we just want to sit around and just get food stamps. But I really would like them to understand the mental health and the trauma that's going on that creates people in these positions to get food stamps. And it's not just the mental health. It's where's the jobs? Like there's only so many jobs in our society. So if we could come together collectively. We could learn to help one another and do it in a way where we don't feel like, oh, well, they're just lazy and I'm helping them and they're lazy. I don't want to spend my tax dollars because they're lazy. No, let's help people. Like when St. Jude did this big thing on the radio the other day, everybody was pouring in to help these families. Let's have that same mentality of St. Jude's. Let's help these people because they need to be helped. We see that need, and that's where we are to help them get to the next level. And let's really help people. Take the corruption out of politics. It's totally corrupt what's going on in our politics right now. Thank you for being with us today. You're listening to Collective Power. Our guest today was Alicia Dorsey, and I am Dr. Rita, and I am your host. Thank you for listening to another episode of Collective Power. We're looking at political systems, and our next week guest is a political scientist, Raphael Freeman. Thank you for listening to another episode of Collective Power. If you'd like to be a guest on our show, recommend a guest on our show, or write for our upcoming Medium publication, feel free to contact us at collectivepowermedia.com. You can also become a supporter and help us offset the costs of making the podcast for as little as $3 a month. To do so, go on our website at collectivepowermedia.com and click on the button that says Donate, Become a Supporter. Thank you for your courage to see the bigger picture. And until next week, drop the mic. <laughs>